Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. How many are glad we're in 2018? Some of you are like, oh yeah. It's interesting how every year we come to the beginning of the year and we, we get this feeling of clean slate. We get to start new. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I had a friend post something on Facebook, kind of paraphrase that. If every year, though, going into the new year, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that's done. I, uh, you know, I need a fresh start. Maybe we should reassess where we are in life. Because every year shouldn't be like that. Now, I love the new year, and I love that clean slate and that fresh feeling. But if every year we find ourselves going, oh my gosh, good riddance to that year. I'm ready for a new year. What is causing that? And so today I want to talk. We're going to start a brand new series called Circular. And I think this is going to be a, a great way to start out the new year, to look at, at ourselves, to look at our spirit, our soul, and our body, and see what those individual parts are, but see that everything is connected. And as we connect these things together, it makes us stronger so we can come against adversity in our life, come against circumstances, because somebody know that stuff still comes your way. It might be 2018, it might be fresh, but stuff is still going to come our way. So we have to know that going in. We don't have to fear why? Because we have perfect love, which casts out fear. But it's okay for us to maybe reprioritize, maybe look at our life, reassess where we are and say, okay, God, speak to me this year. What is it that you can do in me differently or that I see differently that will help me be a better person? It's okay to be a better person. It's okay to not always look at yourself and try to figure yourself out. Get to the point where you're, you're comfortable with yourself. How many know that God wants you to be comfortable with yourself? He created you. And we get so comfortable with ourselves that we start to look outward. And I mean, it could be something as simple as paying for someone's Egg McMuffin in line, a smile or praying for somebody, just simple little things where we're looking outward instead of always looking inward. So I believe this is going to help us in 2018. So circular, everything is connected. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you want to follow along, you can do so on the screens. Uh, we also put the notes in the version app. If you have the Bible app on your phone, just open it up, go to the More tab, select Events, and you'll see Face City Church, Michigan Campus, right up top there. And you can follow along, take your own notes, and save it for further reference. But we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 today. and verse 12, it says, By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. I love this reference because it's talking about a rope. And how many have ever noticed that on a rope, there's three strands, whether it's, it's steel or it's fiber or whatever it is, there's three strands and they twist and they intertwine together. Why did they do that? Because it makes it stronger. That one strand on its own could snap, even two could, but with the three strands together, as they're woven together, it makes it stronger. It can bear weight, it can pull without snapping, without breaking. And he's saying, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. And this says, I love this question, can you round up a third? A third what? A third person. A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. We're going to talk about this today because as I'm looking at this, I can see that even in us, we have three. We have spirit, soul, and body. And if those are connected and they're tight and we realize what each part plays, the role it plays in our life, then we can't be easily broken. Amen? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to look in your word. I thank you that in 2018, we wouldn't go into this year fearful. 
we would go into this year expectant, expecting you not to do anything more. You've already done it all, but for us to actually see what it is that you've done. I pray that in the coming weeks, as we look at our spirit, soul, and body, that we would see things differently. Maybe we'd see something we hadn't seen before that would strengthen us in those areas. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be speaking to us and showing us what it is that you've called us to this year in 2018. Who is it that we could affect in a good way for the kingdom with your love? We thank you for your word because it transforms us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Potatoes, eggs, and coffee beans. Pretty random, isn't it? It's the title of a short story I want to read to you. Potatoes, eggs, and coffee beans. Once upon a time, a daughter complained to her father that her life was miserable and that she didn't know how she was going to make it. She was tired of fighting and struggled all the time. It seemed just as one problem was solved, another one soon followed. Her father, who was a chef, took her to the kitchen. He filled three pots with water. He placed each on a high fire. Once the three pots began to boil, he placed the potatoes in one pot, the eggs in a second pot, and ground coffee beans in the third pot. He then let them sit and boil without saying a word to his daughter. The daughter moaned and impatiently waited, wondering what he was doing. After 20 minutes, he turned off the burners. He took the potatoes out of the pot and placed them in a bowl. He pulled the eggs out and he placed them in a bowl. He then ladled the coffee out and he placed it in a cup. And turning to her, he said, daughter, what do you see? Here was a response. Potatoes, eggs, and coffee. Look closer, he said, and touch the potatoes. She did and noted that they were soft. He then asked her to take an egg and break it. After pulling off the shell, she observed the hard-boiled egg. Finally, he asked her to sip the coffee. Its rich aroma brought a smile to her face. So she asked this question, father, what does this mean? He then explained that the potatoes, the eggs, and the coffee beans had each faced the same adversity, which was the boiling water. However, each one reacted differently. The potato went in strong, hard, and unrelenting, but in boiled water, it became soft and weak. The egg was fragile, with a thin outer shell protecting its liquid interior until it was put in the boiling water. Then the inside of the egg became hard. However, the ground coffee beans were unique. After they were exposed to the boiling water, they changed the water and created something new. So he looked at his daughter and he said, which are you? When adversity knocks on your door, how do you respond? Are you a potato, an egg, or a coffee bean? So what's the moral? In life, guess what? Things happen around us. Things happen to us, but the only thing that truly matters is what happens within us. Now, what does it have to do with the message, Pastor? Absolutely nothing. I thought it was a cool story. <laughs> but, but it's true, though. I mean, what happens within us is so important. It's so key. And how many know at salvation, we're regenerated. We're made brand new at the core. This is who we are. And so then our responses should be different than they used to be. Now, it doesn't happen automatically. It's a process of growth. I'm still growing in areas. And I find sometimes the people you're closest to are the last ones to experience the newness inside, right? You're so close to them, they're like, wow, I thought you were a Christian. I am. I'm working on it, right? I'm working on these new things he's put inside me and trying to work those out. 
But the thing I noticed about this is we're talking about threes today. How many have heard of the Trinity? God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You look at us, we're made in his image. We're spirit, soul, and body, right? And then you throw into the mix potatoes, eggs, and coffee beans. It makes sense, right? We can make it work somehow. But I think about in Ecclesiastes, we talked about this three-chord strand. What was God telling us? Well, first of all, I think he was telling us that, that life should not be a life lived alone. We're not to be loners. Some people want to live alone and keep to themselves. Others want to do everything themselves. So have you ever met a person? I used to be this person. Every time someone offered me help, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. You know, for some people, they actually get fulfillment out of helping others. And I had to learn how to go, okay, I'm going to let this person help me. This brings fulfillment to their life. They're, they're accomplishing and, and working out the purpose God has given them. So why wouldn't I want to do that? Some people don't want to be with people. They don't have friends. They, they avoid their neighbors. But God tells us in this passage, and this is wisdom, that three is better than one. In fact, he says two is better than one, but three is even better than the two. And I think it's important that we see this. The actual Hebrew here does not say three strands. It actually just translates to three. Three persons are important. And I think of this connection. When we realize the connection between our body, our spirit, and our soul, it will transform our lives. I believe that it will make us stronger against the trials and the adversity of life. Amen? And so that's why we're talking about this. Now, what we're going to do today is just an overview, like an introduction, and we're going to look at uh, the three main points. But in the coming weeks, starting next week, we're going to start with the body. The week after that, we're going to go into the spirit. And the week after that, we're going to look at the soul. And we'll break those down a little bit deeper. But I want to start today by just doing a brief overview. So number one, the body. Say the body. Our body is a temple. Our body is a temple. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, I think it's one of those things that you hear enough, it just becomes normal, like, yeah, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, my body is a temple. But if you were in the time of Jesus, in the first century of the church, this was a brand new concept. In fact, the disciples had to say that God does not dwell in, in temples made with human hands because to them, God always resided in a temple, in a building. In fact, sometimes we even take this idea and we'll say things like people come into the church and we're like, hey, welcome to the house of the Lord. And I know what they mean, but it's not like God lives here. I don't come in on Monday morning and God answers the door. God actually goes with me when I leave because he doesn't live in temples made with human hands. He doesn't live in church buildings with brick and mortar and, and wood and stone. He lives in us. He indwells us. Some days, maybe it's good to just think about that because we can go through life and we forget that God is with us, that God lives in us, that God desires a relationship with us. I've done it many times myself, and we can forget these things, but the truth is that our body is a temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a the price, therefore glorify God in your body. Glorify God in what? Your body. See, a lot of times we think, oh, this body, especially in 
you know, the new year. We're like, oh, this body, I need to lose this many pounds. I need to do this and that. My knees are aching more than they have before. My, all these things. And so we're like, oh, my body, I got to do something. But do we envision ourselves, this body, as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Because that's what it is. I mean, everywhere you walk, God goes. Everywhere you run, God goes. Some are like, I need to run a little more. Everywhere you ride your bike, John, God goes. So wherever we go, God is. Man, everywhere? Yes, everywhere. And we shouldn't fear that. We should embrace that and say, wow, God, you are with me. Emmanuel. I mean, we just celebrated the incarnation, God becoming flesh, saying, I want to be with you. And then after the death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus said, I send you someone else, the comforter, who will indwell you and give you power. So again, we're told in the scriptures that God doesn't live in temples made with human hands but he lives in us. And then Paul says something interesting. He says, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. You notice he didn't say dead? Aren't you glad? Well, some people don't know that because some people are walking around and they're trying to kill themselves with religion every day. I gotta kill myself. I've gotta give this up. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Now, I'm not saying that it's, that it's bad to give certain things up or choose to walk a different way. What I'm saying is when we do it in our own willpower, we're trying to kill ourselves. And Paul says to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And what's cool about a living sacrifice is that you can connect with people. You can talk to people. You can interact. You can give love and grace and goodness. Walk through this world and interact and be real and be alive and be you, the you that God's made you to be. So is it important? Is the body important? Yes. And so we're going to get into that more next week, talking about the body and some different aspects and some different things that we can do. Because how many know this, that this body connects us to this earth? What happens when your body ceases to be alive? You're no longer here. You can't do anything anymore. So it is important that we take care of our bodies because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Number two, the Spirit. Many of you already may know this, but for those who you don't, do you know what the Spirit is who you truly are? Your Spirit is who you truly are. Now, a lot of us got up this morning, most likely, and we walked into a bathroom and maybe looked in the mirror, I hope, and maybe we fixed our hair and brushed our teeth, which is great, because why have crazy hair and bad breath at church? I mean, it's one place that we should have decent hair and decent breath, right? So you looked in the mirror, and what did you see? Did you see yourself? You saw a reflection of yourself, right? If we look at that, and we're like, that's me. Oh, man, uh, my breath stinks. Um, uh, how did, why did that North Star zit have to come out today, you know, in the new year? Uh, oh, my gosh, I need to lose a few pounds. I need to gain some weight and work out more. I wish my nose wasn't that big. Oh, my nose is too small. We look at all these things. We're like, that's me. But the truth is that is not you. That's a flesh suit that holds you, and who you are is your spirit. And what's beautiful is through the resurrection, through Jesus Christ, he's regenerated your spirit and now you're brand new and he actually says that you're just like him. You're made in his image. We bear the image of God everywhere we go, but a lot of times we look in the mirror, in that reflection, we, we think about those things that we've done and we go, that is me, but the truth is that is not you, it's just a body. Who you are is your spirit. That's who you truly are. 
And so it's important, I think, in 2018 to realize this because sometimes we look at our actions, we look at the bad habits or the addictions and those things that we have, and you know, God wants to work us through those things, but I'm telling you, you have to look at yourself for who you truly are, and that's who you are in your spirit. And God says that you're righteous, that means you have right standing with God, that you're pleasing and acceptable and holy. What? Now, some of you are like, uh, you, just, you just don't know what I did. You don't know how I am. You don't know how I responded. I hear you, but that's not you. And so when we realize who we are, we start to go, wait a minute. So that action doesn't line up with who I am. Wow. Okay, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're showing me more and more who I truly am. And then you start to walk it out. It's, it's a beautiful life. Now, I could easily put together some great sermons to beat you up and tell you, you better act better. And I'll tell you what, through willpower, you can do quite a bit, some more than others. But eventually the willpower wears off. And you have to get back to brass tacks and say, who is it that I really am? And the Holy Spirit is always convincing you of your righteousness, of your pleasing, sweet smell to God your goodness that he's put inside you, the fruit of the spirit, the good works. You're pleasing to him. You're acceptable to him. I mean, they had to cleanse the temple for the spirit of God to dwell there. Do you know that God completely cleansed you and moved in? How many believe that God can live in dirty places? He can't, right? Now some will go, well, yeah, because I screwed up. No, 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 I'm talking about your spirit, who you truly are. He doesn't live in dirty places, so he cleans house, regenerates everything, and says, Boom, I'm moving in. That's how good you are to me. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He won't give up on you. And even when you do the no-no stuff, he's right there going, you know that's going to hurt you, right? You know the consequences are come back to bite you in the rear end, right? And you go, that's right, Holy Spirit. That's why he wants us to make right decisions because if we don't, the consequences are still there. You reap what you sow. And so he's there not to you know, whip you and beat you into shape. He's there to say, no, no, that's not who you really are. Here's what you really are. And so it's spirit that dwells inside a body. In the Gospel of John, there's a story. How many are familiar with the woman at the well? She was a Samaritan woman. And if you're not familiar with this, the Jews and the Samaritans, they had some issues. There was a lot of racism going on there. And so they didn't associate. They segregated from each other. And they would even worship in different places. And so Jesus at this time has said that he had to go through Samaria. I believe he was on a mission from the Holy Spirit. And he's sitting there and he's talking to this Samaritan woman. Now, two strikes right there. First of all, talking to a Samaritan. Okay. Secondly, talking to a woman. In that culture, women were less than a guy, than a male or a man. But how many know this, that in Christ there's neither male nor female nor Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. It's like we're all on the same level. That's what was beautiful. Think about this in the early church. They would go into the church, some who maybe were slave owners, they go into church, their slaves would show up, and as they went in there, they were realizing we're on the same level. Tell me that didn't, that didn't mess with their head a little bit. They had to go, wait, wait, maybe this, maybe this isn't right. Maybe I shouldn't be reacting like this. They would see the poor and the rich come together and they would go, wow, we're just the same just because my social status is different. This is what the early church was learning. It was rocking their world that there was, we're all on the same level. Not one person was better than the other in that room, in that place. And don't you think that they carried that out and they had to deal with, wow, 
Maybe I'm off on some stuff. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us. So here's Jesus. He's, he's meeting with this woman at the well. And he says this in John chapter 4, starting with verse 23. Because he wanted us to get this. So he was showing her, kind of revealing to her what life would look like. And then we can look back and read and go, wow, this is what life is like. He says, but the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Did you catch that? What you're called will not matter. doesn't matter what your race is, your language, your nation, where you've come from. I believe that God loves nations. I believe that he, he engages, he embraces, he celebrates diversity and differences. And we've got to be careful in the church to not say, well, this is how God is. It's cookie cutter. So this is how we are. And if you're not like this, then you need to leave. No, everyone's accepted into this place that we call church, right? Why? So they can experience the love of the Father. They can have relationship with him. And guess what? Some things may or may not change. That's up to the Holy Spirit, right? So we love them where they are. But the Holy Spirit's always drawing us out to better things because he knows what's best for us. So he says this. He says, what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. He says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Now, hold on to that. It's who you are. He says, your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. What kind? Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him and their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being. Their spirits, listen to this, their true selves in adoration. Say, I'm a spirit. Say it again. I'm a spirit. That's who you are. You're righteous, holy, pleasing, acceptable. That's who you are. And if we want the body to line up with that, we have to know who we are. Amen? The Apostle Paul says in Romans, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Think about that for a minute. You're a child of God. And I know we say this a lot, but I think it's easy to forget as we go through the mundane work week and, and life doesn't seem to go the way that we want it to go, we forget that, wow, we're children of God. And then he goes on to say in Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know what we struggle with? We struggle with these actions. We see the actions and we're like, that's who I am. But he's saying, no, 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 you're something different than that. You're brand new at the core. You're righteous, you're pleasing, you're holy, you're acceptable. This is who you are. It isn't like Paul saying, now, now, if you're living in the Spirit, it'd be like this. Hey guys, you know we're in the Spirit, right? Okay, so if we live in the Spirit, what do we do? Walk according to the Spirit. Do you know we have a choice to walk according to the Spirit or according to the flesh? Those five senses, it's so easy to do, isn't it? But do you realize that as a believer... If you're in Christ, you are in the Spirit all the time. This was a tough one for me because I used to think, oh, brother, we used to have little jokes like, oh, you're, you're out of the Spirit, brother. The way you're acting, you're not in the Spirit. But the truth is you're always in the Spirit. But how are you walking? Are you walking in Him? Are you walking in the flesh? We have a choice to make. But again, if we come back to who we really are, it will change everything. Number three, the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. 
This will be the last week that we cover, and I'm really praying about going into a series called Soul Detox, where we can go a little bit deeper into the soul. Some people would say that the spirit is the most important thing, but I wouldn't agree with that. I believe the soul is, because think about it. If your spirit's regenerated, and it's just like him, what more do you got to do? I mean, now I understand, I got to grow spiritually. I need to spiritually grow. Well, truthfully, you need to soulfully grow. Do you follow me here? I want, us to, I want this to click. This isn't about growing your spirit bigger and more powerful. Wait, you're wall-to-wall God in your spirit. How could you be any more powerful than that? I mean, does God lack? No. So you don't lack either in the spirit. But it's about the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's what we think. It's the choices we make, and it's how we feel. And man, I'll tell you, this can either just mess you up or bless you up. You follow me? Where your soul is, where your emotions are, really matter. And for the majority of us on the planet, not just believers, if our soul's jacked up, then we's jacked up too. That's just how it works. So we are a spirit. We live in a body. But I'm telling you, this body and the, and the actions and the reactions that we have in this body, they come from the soul. It starts with our thinking. And from our thinking, we make choices. And from our choices come the feelings, right? I mean, you always make a decision before the feelings come. That's why it's so messed up when we're like, oh, I'm in love. How do you know? I feel it. But well, what about next week when you don't feel it anymore? Well, then I'm not in love. No, love's a decision, and then the feelings follow. Come on, husbands and wives. I mean, I know for most of us guys, we wake up every morning, our wives are amazing, but we can be real jerks sometimes, right? Can I get a name in from the ladies? All right, thanks. Wow. Welcome to 2018. We just, you know, but we all have issues. So if your wife or, or your husband or your kids wake up unlovely, does that mean we don't love them? We get to love the unlovely. That's the definition of it. It's unconditional. It's like, I love you even though you're unlovely right now. Well, how can you do that? Because it's a decision. Amen. The feelings will follow e- eventually. <laughs> Why did it take four days, Pastor? I don't know. I happen to be married to a wonderful woman. I'm sorry if you're not. But anyway, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That was horrible. But the soul, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's how we think. It's the choices that we make and how we feel. I I think this is so beautiful that God doesn't lobotomize us to conform to his will and his thinking and his feelings. Now, there's days where I'm like, God, I wish you did lobotomize people. I know that's a heavy word, but, but you're like, just, just make me do it all so I don't see anything else but you and I just act. That's called a robot. God's not looking for robots. Love allows free will and free choice in life. So we get to make a choice. So even though sometimes we wish that God would just you know, flip a switch or, or, or change something around so we would think differently and we, we would make better choices, he lets us make that decision. But here's the beauty of it. He's there with us to make the decision. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us and lead us and say, okay, that reaction that you're about to do. I mean, I've been in situations where I wanted to react a certain way. Now, it it doesn't happen perfectly all the time. Lord, I wish it would. But have you been in those situations where you want to lash out, you want to react a certain way, and that still small voice says, take a deep breath. Because there's always consequences to our actions. I've been, the, I've been the other side of it where I said the thing I shouldn't have said and man, it's a cold, there's a cold, dark dampness in my household all day because I should have not said what I said the way I said it. 
But there's been other times where I've made the choice to take a deep breath. I'm going to show love. I might not be feeling it. I'm going to show love right now. And guess what? My wife has to do the same thing for me. My kids have to do the same thing towards me and back and forth. This is called relationship. How many know that relationships are work? If you, if you think that, that it's what you see on the screens of Hollywood, it's a lie. Folks, they're selling you a lie. It's not like that. Okay? It, it, their breath does stink at some point. <laughs> right? Things don't go perfectly. Relationships aren't perfect. And I think we can, we can take steps to, to create atmospheres like that. But you're going to have bad days, folks. That's what happens. And so relationships are work. We have to make decisions. We have to work through those things. Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world. In other words, the way that the world works, the way it thinks, the choices it makes. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Eugene Peterson breaks it down in the message, Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. I love that he added the sin, right? Because God is always there with us. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Now, have you ever heard maybe the opposite of that? What are you doing for him? What are you doing for him? He's saying embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Why? Because when we embrace who we are at the core, we start to act differently. We start to walk life out differently. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. How many have been there? You just go through the motions. It's so easy. I mean, everybody's doing it. Everybody's reacting this way. Everybody's going out and cheating on their wife. Everybody's cheating on their taxes. I mean, what's the difference, right? These are just a couple examples, but it's easier sometimes to go with the flow. Uh, he's giving her the cold shoulder, so I'm going to do the same thing. He's gossiping about his mom or dad or brother or sister, so maybe I'll just do the same thing. And it's so easy to go with the flow. He says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down in its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. What does he do? He develops well-formed maturity in you. The soul is so important. It's so important that we get to a point where we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us where we get control of our emotions. You know, one of the wedges of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So I know it's doable. We can walk out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can walk these things out because he's already planted it inside. But do you see how God works it from the inside out? It's called working out your salvation. This is what it's all about. In fact, the Apostle John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your, what? Soul prospers. You know, sometimes even physical issues that we have in our body come from a toxic soul, harboring unforgiveness and bitterness, resentment, maybe even hatred. You know, an, uh, uh, an attitude of just retaliation against people. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. 
No, that's not how the scripture goes. Vengeance isn't yours. It never pays off. Repaying evil with evil never works. Look at the world around us. Is it working yet? But when you repay evil with good, oh man, there's markers all over. When you repay evil with good, it makes a difference in the world. And so how do we do that? We have to detoxify our soul. The body, spirit, and soul are connected. And the thing is, we cannot isolate one and forget the other. So I think there's, there's two things in this series that are really important that we're going to address. Number one, addressing us as individuals and recognizing the connection between our body, our spirit, and our soul. This is really going to help us along, I believe, this journey of life. Number two is addressing us corporately. What does this look like together? It's recognizing the unity that God has called us to as humanity. And really, it's going to come down to this. Every person matters. I don't just say that because it sounds really good on a Sunday morning from a pulpit, you know, at, at what, 11.05. I'm saying this because it's true. Everyone matters. That's what Jesus was saying when he was talking to the woman at the well. Every person matters, whether inside or outside the walls of this church. And to prove this, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to wrap up with this this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to start with verse 19. Paul writes, But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. Say amen. When it's a part of your own body, you're concerned with it. It makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> but verse 25, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. See, I really believe this, that in 2018, as we start with this series, it's going to help us to reconnect within ourselves, to realize that, that every part, spirit, soul, and body, they all three matter. And it's like that three-strand cord. We, we put it together, and it makes us stronger to face adversity. But not only that, as we come together corporately as a church, and we start to recognize that everybody matters, and every part is important and has importance, that's going to make us a strong community church for hurting people when they come in. And what's going to happen is we'll stop looking at ourselves and start looking outward. And as people come in the doors, we'll say, wow, what is it that I can do? You know, 
I want us to get to the point where when we wake up on a Sunday morning, it's not like, dear Jesus, I hope it's a good message this morning because I need it. And I get that. We've all been there. And there's times we need that. But I pray that in 2018, we get to the point where when we wake up, we're like, wow, Holy Spirit, someone is coming through those doors today that I can make a difference in their life. Not because I'm special, but because the greater one lives inside me. And you've worked through me, teaching me and training me the ways of godliness and righteousness and who I am, seeing that my body matters and my spirit matters and my soul really, really matters because my thinking and my choices and how I feel really do matter to you. And then we look outside ourselves and we're at this point where because we've had some healing and wholeness and deliverance at salvation in our life, we actually can be bearers of that. That's what I envision. How about you? We can be change agents for the kingdom of God. But there is something to do, right? It's by his grace that we're saved and it's beautiful, but there's a place of rest. And from that place of rest, there is something to do because why would it say there's good works put in us beforehand so we should walk in them unless there was some work to do? But how do we do that work? By the fuel of his love, by relationship with him, by the Holy Spirit helping us. Amen. Body, spirit, and soul, everything is connected. So I encourage you, come back next week, bring a friend as we look deeper into the body. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we first of all thank you for your love for us. I know for me some days it'd be easy to just give up and and say, you know what, I, I don't want to do this, this pastoring thing, or, you know, am I really a good enough husband or am I a good enough father? But it's your love that transcends everything, that, that covers a multitude of my imperfections. And you say, son, I love you. I love you right where you are. And I will love you out of those things that you don't like about yourself because that's not who you really are. That's just responses and actions from old thoughts and habits and ideas that you've had. But can I change, son, your thinking? Will you allow me to renew your mind because that is what will transform you in this life? pray for every person here that may be feeling those same feelings. It's 2018 and we're like a week into it already and nothing seems to have changed. I pray first of all we would see that we are brand new because you've made us brand new. We're okay with you. We're in right standing with you. We're pleasing to you. We're acceptable to you. We're literally close and clean. We're not dirty and distant. That's how you've made us. I pray from there that we would continue to grow in our emotions, in our will, in our mind, as you continue to renew our minds. If there's anyone here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus, you're hearing this message and saying, well, I I don't know if I've been transformed or whatever these words are you're using. I want to have that new life, that clean slate with God. It's real simple. All you have to do is believe. Believe that God loved you so much that he sent his son. His son lived a sinless life. He was crucified by humanity, but God raised him from the dead to prove everyone wrong. To say that the way of life is through peace and love 
and godliness and will you walk this new way? And we can only do it through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor? I'd like to make the decision for Jesus. Just quickly raise your hand. I thank you, Father, for every person here that may be still thinking about that decision. It's a big decision. I pray for those who, who have made that decision that because we're close and clean, we now can zero in on who we really are we can zero in on our, our emotions and, and our will and our thinking. And then from that, our body chooses different ways to act and react to people. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.